0: Welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD, where successful San Diego leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to possibly change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a unique set of processes that unlock the unlimited passion and potential of your team to create a 10x result in your business. I want to thank our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, and Cause San Diego. We're all focused on impacting the community of San Diego through the work they do as business leaders. Welcome to the show. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, it's lonely at the top, describing the loneliness people in high positions experience. It is true. As the leader at the top, Where do you take your issues, challenges, and problems? Where do you go to get good answers from someone that doesn't have a stake in the outcome, can provide a larger strategic view that the CEO needs, and has hopefully actually experienced that issue in the past? Well, today, I have two friends in the studio who have a solution. A solution not only for the leader at the top of the organization, but also for those key leaders in the organization who find themselves all too often isolated in need of help. Susan Caravella and Brad Lee, welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD. Glad to be here, Jeff. Great to spend time with you.
1: Thank you for hosting us.
0: Susan and Brad are partners along with Jim Tenuto and Mark Nielsen in a local peer-to-peer group known as REF, REF, or formerly Renaissance Executive Forum. Susan is the CEO, partner, and forum leader along with being a coach and consultant for the Cali Corporation. She has a background as a CEO and CFO with small to mid-sized companies. Brad is a partner and a forum leader for Ruff and managing partner of Claris Leadership. In his prior corporate life, Brad was the CEO of Breg Medical in Carlsbad. I am a big fan of you both personally and in the work you're doing here in the community of San Diego. And I'm really looking forward to talking about your role uh, in the peer groups, in the business, but also your personal leadership journeys. You're both doing some amazing work to uh, figure out how you create great impact in the work that you do. I want to get started with you, and I'll start with you, Susan. Okay. Since you're the CEO, the big <laughs> boss, <laughs> you got all the questions that need to be answered.
1: I so, that title.
0: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, REF. You know, what is a peer group and why is it important?
1: Sure. I'll start with why do they exist and then why REF. In San Diego, there are a lot of small to medium-sized companies where When you're an executive, your peer group is much smaller than if you're at a big Fortune 500 company, which is where I came from when I was in Dallas. You don't have a lot of people necessarily to learn from in your role. And I started as a CFO, joined a peer group, probably seven years into my role as CFO. And I hadn't been a CFO before. I'd had different roles at American Airlines in Dallas. It was a really great chance for me to be with other executives who were in similar situations that I could relate to. We had similar issues, challenges, and it was a place that I felt safe to share and learn from that was a really important part of my journey as a CFO. And then when I became a president, I moved in to the CEO group of that same organization. Again, first-time CEO, I was in a safe place with other people that I could be more transparent and vulnerable with uh, than coworkers, And it was just a big part of my professional journey in my operating roles. For me, my support group outside of my husband and family has certainly been peer groups over the years, and many of whom I still call dear friends to this day. So that's kind of my journey of why I was in a group. Three and a half years ago, I had the opportunity to buy into the REF San Diego franchise, along with Mark Nielsen. And Jim Denuta ran it solo for 25 years. And we've now got a partnership and leading multiple groups. We added Brad earlier this year. Super happy about that, Brad. It was Love good. Love have you. Good, ad. good addition. I'm just a firm believer in the power of peer groups for helping both develop executives and help executives not feel as you said at the beginning of your introduction, so lonely at the top.
0: So Brad, yes, the new member in, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but you, guy. but like Susan, you were a member for a long time in various peer groups. Maybe talk a little bit about your experience in a peer group. Like, like what's one of the more profound stories? Well, man, Because you were the CEO of a sizable company. Right. So maybe even like, man, I had this kind of issue going on that I just couldn't take anywhere
2: else. And <laughs> the peer group was key to me. Much like Susan, I found myself, as every CEO is, a first-time CEO. I remember my head of HR came to me and kind of stood me up after about 18 to 24 months and said, you need to get your act together and lead this team and act like a real CEO. And I, I'll never forget Nancy having that conversation with me, and it was super powerful. And I realized I didn't know what I didn't know, and I was not doing a good job of figuring that out. And so as I started exploring coaching and peer groups and consultants and different things, I was really fortunate. I met a guy who was putting a peer group together. I didn't really know what it was. I engaged and I was in a peer group for nine or 10 years um, as a CEO. Like Susan said and you said, the analogy I use is when, when you're a functional leader in an organization, you generally have a peer set. You know, even when Susan was CFO, she had an HR leader that was her peer. She had a marketing leader that was her peer in sales. And a boss. And a boss. CEO, you still have a boss. Call the chairman of the board. You don't have a peer. Mm. Everybody in the organization reports to you or you report to somebody else. There's nobody at your same level. And that just changes the entire dynamic about how you Explore opportunities, solve problems, deal with issues. You can't go even to your CFO and say, hey, I got a big problem with the head of HR. It's her peer. You can't do that. And so and you shouldn't do that. Right, yeah. It's just not good practice. What I found in that peer group is that you've got a group of people that have come together, generally have the same level of responsibilities as the CEO or leader of a division. They're non-competitive. And they have the same problems you do. What I found is it really is fairly irrelevant what industry you're in, what geography you're in. Running a business has very similar challenges. And so I learned as much from the guy who was running an investment firm when I was running a medical device firm, as I did from the guy who was in biotech and a lot more similar in, in what I was doing. So It is an environment where I always say everybody in the room has one agenda, and that's to help each other out and succeed in their businesses. You don't report to them. They don't report to you. There's no other affiliation except to help you get better in your business. Over those eight or nine years, I just found that you can always bring those issues and problems, either personal or professional, to that group. And you always have an outlet to advance your thought process there. And you ask about a particular situation. I I had dozens of them over the eight or nine years that the peer group helped me with. I would say some of the biggest ones, and there, there are three or four specifics that I won't get into, but were direct reports to me that I was trying to figure out, was I not leading them effectively? Was I not giving them the resources they needed to succeed? Or were they just the wrong person for the job? And I think that was one of the most powerful dynamics in my career because the strength of your leadership team is so critical and determines the success of your business and your capabilities. And if you're having questions about any of them, having that environment, it was the only place I found in my life. Couldn't go to my boss. I love my wife to death she had no interest in talking about those things with <laughs> <Answer> me. <that. laughs> yeah, you you can't go to your direct reports. That group was phenomenal at pushing you. One of the things we say at REF is this is where you go to get your answers questioned. And that's exactly what happened in those kind of situations. So, it was immensely valuable not only in the one I just described but many other business issues. I know one of the things that I always find interesting
0: when you're you're doing the kind of the problem solving approach, and maybe you guys can speak that to a little bit, is that Susan's got a problem and we all start weighing in and then I'll have a takeaway. You're right, like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or something will come out in that conversation that all of it goes, it wasn't really about Susan. Everyone in the room actually goes, oh, that's a good reminder or something. Or, oh, yeah, I need to go do that. or So I always find the power of that always kind of very interesting.
1: Agreed. So another thought on that, there'd be times where I would go to a meeting with whatever problem was weighing on my mind. And of course, it was taking up all this headspace of this big, huge problem. And you come into the group, others would start sharing whatever was going on in their world. And you're like, I'm going to keep my problem because that problem is way bigger, way harder. And so I think it also helped put things into perspective of, yeah, it may seem like a big problem. But in the scheme of things, tiny compared to what some other people in the room were going through. So I always found that perspective super helpful also.
0: Helps, uh, helps it, to calibrate your <laughs> Yes. <laughs> What's really going on in your world, right? That, that stone issue your shoe, it's really not
2: that yeah. big. <laughs> and and you're, you're right, Jeff. There There were numerous times where an issue is being processed by one of the other members in the group, and I have half a page of notes on what I can do differently, because I hear something that they are doing that I hadn't even considered, or I hear something that they're not doing as well as they could that I, I know I can do better. It's amazing how many of those situations that are designed to help one particular member of the group. And it actually ends up helping every single member in the group in some fashion.
1: I think the other thing that would come from those conversations, your most groups are a mixture of founder led members And people that were hired, like you and I each were for Mm -hmm, our roles. And so my case, we were a privately held company. I had come from corporate America and I was hired into this role. So I'm a W-2. I definitely didn't have any founder owner perspective as a leader until being in those peer groups and understanding the pressures of meeting payroll every two weeks and all the different risks that a founder takes that a hired person isn't as viscerally familiar with or even aware of. And so that for me was another big, huge perspective shift on the type of company you're running, the ownership structure, and I think being more aware of what it means to be a founder owner, founder leader, and or like hire leader for the founder who's still involved. So there was a lot of Things, they weren't problems, but they were perspectives that just broadened, oh, super helpful to understand, again, as a leader, things that you didn't know you were even looking to learn. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's a great point, Susan. I think what that also reminds me of is you've, you've got people in your peer group that are at totally different stages of their maturation as a leader, maturation of the company, and you learn up and down the continuum of where they are compared to where you are. And it goes both ways. You know, there, there were times where there were companies that were more sophisticated and advanced in the things they were doing than I was. And I learned from that. And then there were times where there were smaller, earlier stage organization like, oh my gosh, I forgot. That's part of what made us successful. I need to go back and really think about shoring that up in my business because it's weakened over the years. All right. Well, even at that point, back to the founder piece too, the emotional aspect of it, right?
0: It's going to be a little different. This is my baby. Might have family members in the business. You didn't see that at American Airlines, I'm sure. So yeah, there's some other issues that kind of show up that uh, you go, wow, that's that's really interesting. So I know that, you know, we got the CEO groups, but also, and Brad was talking about, you know, Keita is the leadership team. Part of what you're trying to do is tap into uh, and help out the other leaders in the
2: organization. So maybe speak to that a little bit. Uh, Brad, why don't you kick it up? Yeah, sure. So, so one of the things... I found so attractive about RAF because I was in three different organizations as peer groups. And I found about RAF was this functionally focused peer group design in the offering in the market. And what I mean by that is we, we focus on supporting CFOs in a peer group, controllers in a peer group, HR leaders in a peer group, IT leaders in a... So we have various functional groups that we form around the functionality of the leader... Because there are specific technical skills and best practices that are very, very relevant. And we feel like that is super important for the entire leadership team to take their game to the next level. And as much as the CFO may have a peer in the head of HR, the head of HR probably is not an expert at some of the things that are necessary as you manage the financial scale of a business and what you really need to be thinking about to talk to bankers, to talk to investors, to talk to... The founder owner to discuss ownership options, the HR leader is not going to have that, whereas the CFO peer group will likely have a bunch of experience there. I think that is fantastic. And to my knowledge, we do a much broader job at that because we think the entire leadership ecosystem is the way you raise the performance of businesses overall. And so that, that was super important for us to have that as, as part of a value proposition. I will tell you, to me, a very positive unintended consequence is also the community that gets created out of that. I'll give you an example. I have a C- CEO in one of our groups, had his HR leader depart. He said, hey Brad, my HR leader just departed, unexpected. I really am in a bind and need to look at what talent is here in San Diego. Had three resumes on his desk that afternoon from the HR team that was in place and the functional synergy that comes from that is is pretty incredible. And you think about it, we've got 65 to 70 C-suite leaders, all part of this organization with their entire network. It's pretty powerful. Nice.
1: And I think, The other benefit of having them by functional group is you find your people. Finance people, we're just a different breed. And when you're able to be in a room full of finance people, (laughs) it feels great. And I was in a key group, peer group with executives, um, non-CEOs with all different functional roles. And it was terrific. And I definitely remember there were times Oh, I like it. And it would have been nicer if I could have had another option to be in a group with people in the same role, because especially during economic challenges, there's a lot of sharing that goes on. It would have been wonderful to be in a group with just CFOs who are doing the same type of role that I'm doing. And so I think this this camaraderie with people like you is huge And again, yes, you have peers in your business, but they're all different functional roles. And therefore, they're all wired a little bit differently based on their strengths. And so just having that camaraderie of like-minded people in similar roles just feels good.
0: You know, you say that it reminded me 100 years ago when I went to my first Project Management Institute meeting back in Orange County. And you walk in the room, it's like, oh, these are my people. Brad, you made some comments. That, you know, you got this ecosystem of all these leaders, right, from CEOs to functional leaders and all that. I know one of the words or a couple of words you guys like to use that I'm trying to bring alive is this whole idea of unlocking collective intelligence. Maybe talk to it a little bit. Like, what what does that look like? How, how how do you use this ecosystem to really get the best answers to things? What what, what does that all that mean? Oh, whoever wants to answer. I'm I'm looking at Brad, but Susan's like, I got the answer to that, Jeff. Well, um,
1: I will answer it, but I want to talk, I guess, bring in kind of what makes REF a little bit different. Collective Intelligence, and Brad and I co-lead one of our CEO groups, and we view our role as really harnessing everyone's experience, skills, opinions in the room, including us. We are just participants at the table, We are not at the head of the table, even if we sit physically sometimes at the head of the table, we don't operate that way because everyone in the room is an equal. Everyone in the room has experience and we really try to facilitate discussions that pull that from the entire room so that everyone can benefit from what the whole room collectively knows. So that's one of the things that I love about REF is everyone has something to contribute no matter how small or large. And that feels good when you're in the group that you can participate to someone's issue that you know nothing about, but there's this like slight piece that might be relevant for you in that discussion.
2: When I'm talking to people who are considering peer groups, one of the things I I bring up is, what if you had 20 highly experienced consultants available to you that had had your job before once a month that you could talk to and clean wisdom from. That's what the peer group does for you. And that's the collective intelligence that comes out in the monthly meeting, which is half a day, which is super important. I would say the other piece of collective intelligence that I found so valuable in particular about REF is the community that we've put together, not only in the functional groups that you spoke about, Jeff, but also the trusted advisor community that we've assembled around the entire REF ecosystem. And, you know, Susan mentioned it. Hey, I I like being in the CFO group. I was around my people. As a leader, Susan also had outside resources that were her people, her CPA firm, her law firm, her consulting firms, outside resources that she leveraged to be successful as a CFO. Well, guess what? All other 11 CFOs in the room had the same network. And one of the things that I found as a leader was super challenging is how many sales calls do I get as a leader every day offering me something that sounds super attractive and without an experience base to say, hey, Susan, you've used them before. You tell me or Susan, who have you used before in this situation? It is to me, one of the biggest benefits of the community we've put together is knowing that you've got a trusted resource across literally dozens of topics that can be accessed and have been proven to be effective through the other peers in the organization that you can access. Sure, really right. powerful.
1: So I will share a pandemic example of the power of a peer group with time as a constraint. As everyone remembers, the PPP loans came about sort of Not out of the blue, but that came about a couple weeks into the pandemic. And it was chaos in terms of all the information that was being provided from the government. And uh, my largest client at the time was with a big top five bank in the nation. And when the PPP portal opened, they were literally the first to submit. And then crickets and crickets and times marching on times, and literally nothing's coming back from this big account. So I reached into my peer group at the time, said, Hey, here's what's going on. I know so-and-so just got funded. Can, and I knew one of the members had just vetted a bunch of options. I want to say it was like five o'clock on some middle of the day week. I get the list from him that had been pre-vetted. I forward it to my mates. They make a bunch of phone calls at 10 o'clock. That night, they get a phone call back from one of the banks up in L.A. And that bank underwrote all night long. We woke people up, and they funded—I think we got our number at, like, 6 a.m. Right? We had a confirmation number. We had a PPU loan. And then I want to say at 10 a.m., the government ran out of money on the first round. And my client, it was millions of dollars that they secured because of my network right. and the speed of— a pre-vetted network that we just put into action. Make
0: things happen. Made yes. things happen. I want to comment, you we were talking a little bit about here, we talking about the community. I've been fortunate enough to get the have opportunity to uh, speak to a couple of your groups and uh, be part of that trusted advisory group. And one of the things I always enjoy being part of uh, RAF is the, is it's a community program. Uh, this is a part of a larger organization that's international, but this is San Diego. This podcast is San Diego. This is about how do San Diego business leaders play the game differently and change our community. And I'm going to say that's one of the things I'm drawn to, to your organization, is that is the feel. This is about the the San Diego community and what we're trying to do here. And how do we put people together to create bigger and better businesses and better leaders? So I just think that's awesome. So now I'm going to flip this around. So here I am. I am a very busy business owner. My business is way different than anyone else out there. I got a lot of stuff that I don't want anyone else to know about. It may be confidential. I just don't want anyone to know about what I'm doing over here. I don't have time to be committing to anything here. That all sounds great, but I don't think this is for me. I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah. What, what, are you, what are you saying to that leader? Who so, comes up with those
2: 20 different, uh, no way, right? I'm so unique. Right. First of all, I I go through some of the topics that you you and Susan and I have already talked about. The lonely at the top, where do you go to get your problem solved? I think that time and the one you didn't mention, money, the time and money. Not resi- money, As <laughs> Yeah, well, t- time and money resistance to me that. are very easy things for people to come up with. And, and I'll take the time one on first. I When I first uh, entered the partnership with Susan and Mark and was going through some interactions with some other RAF leaders, I was having this conversation like, how do you overcome this objection? Like, I, I can't even remember how I overcome it as a member. And he said, Brad, think about it. It's 3% of their time every month. What I asked somebody is, do you have 3% of your time to invest in your leadership growth? Just do the math. And if, yeah, just do the math on the hours. It's five hours a month. So that's based on the 40-hour work week. No, that's based on a 50-hour work week, (laughs) which (laughs) which I don't know many CEOs who are not working 50 hours a week. And most are working a lot more than that. 3% three percent of your time it's very rare that somebody joins our group and within the first six to 12 months doesn't have explicit hard financial returns that improve that they would have never gotten without being a part of that. So to me that's how I talk about the time and the money piece. you know frankly, a lot of people are just not willing to do that and they're just not a good fit for, for the peer model. the my business is different. I don't want to share that stuff commentary. I share my experience. I was in it nine years. I probably interfaced with CEOs from 20 different industries and businesses. I learned from every single one of them. And I was in medical device. But like I said earlier, all the, the leaders have experiences, mistakes, successes that, that you all can learn from. And I share those. The confidentiality and trust piece is real. And that's why Susan and I and the other forum leaders that we have work so hard at making sure there's trust that's built over time. It's no different than any other team, Jeff. You you do a lot of teamwork in your role. Susan and I have done that as well. And we explicitly focus on ways that we can increase the trust level around the peer group to facilitate exactly that. So I do get comfortable telling you that I don't know what to do next. Can you guys help me out? That's a question that is not likely to come out from a member who's attending their first meeting, but we work on driving that trust levels to those heights. And if you spoke to any members in our group that have been there six, 12 plus months, they will tell you that there's not many things that pop into their head that they're not willing to have come out of their mouth. Safe place. Mm -hmm. Any further thoughts there, Susan?
1: Just on the money part, uh, one of the things that Mark Nielsen has introduced, we don't do it at every meeting, but we do it at most meetings is we have an ROI component. The topic could be short, could be long, but the purpose is what's something that we could talk about that, it would be hard not to get some type of return on investment in this idea. And so that's something that he's been doing, obviously, within the CFO group. We brought it into the CEO group a couple of years ago. Uh, I think he was actually doing it even formally when he was a member, Mm -hmm. correct? So it's something that's just hardwired in Mark, uh, which is fabulous. I know that some of our members have absolutely had very tangible monetary benefits from some of our ROI segments. The great recent one was the uh, week that the Silicon Valley Bank went under. We happened to be hosting at one of our ambassadors that day, which was a bank. Through that discussion, and one of our members is a banker, so we had two bankers in the room. Super timely topic, and there was something that came up about the cash management, and one of our members, her eyes got really big as she processed how much of her customer's cash is flowing through her bank accounts that – potentially could have gotten caught in a net like what happened with Silicon Valley bank within 30 days. She had a whole new cash management system with her bank that was put into place because of that discussion. I know she sleeps easier (laughs) because of that. I also talked to the same member in the last week and she just received some money from the government through one of another ROI segment from their meeting. So there are also real tangible benefits that people get that you might get one in five years, but it might pay for seven years of membership fees. Right.
2: And just just to pile on, Susan, I think another another thing that uh, it is great having Mark as as a partner. He he is very focused on these opportunities. Employed retention tax credit. If Mark said that one time, I heard him say it a hundred times. But I like a dog with a bone with things. Yeah, <laughs> he is, which is great. I will tell you that there are a lot of members in our peer group who literally had millions of dollars flow to their bottom line, because Mark not only shines a light on something and puts a magnifying glass on it, just as I talked about a few minutes ago, here are three people who you can hire to do that for you. They're really good at it, and they're economically attractive in the way they do it. And it became clockwork for many. To walk into a meeting and walk out with... I know there's a, a local company here. They do about $5 million in revenue, $450,000 employee retention tax credit. That is big, meaningful, yes. material change. Never would have
0: happened if they weren't a member. So I'm going to put the clutch in, turn on the signal, make a hard left-hand turn here. Okay. So much for the peer groups. Let's talk about you two. So both of you have past careers and the corporate life and all that good stuff and decided to make a little shift here and- or the service world over here that I'm in uh, through the peer group and the consulting you do talk about that journey a little bit, like what led to that maybe, and uh, what insights might you have for someone else that might be in our audience that I'm, I'm the CEO, but yeah, maybe there's something else for me in life. Maybe you guys can shed a little insight from your own personal journey on that. Brad pointing to Susan. Okay, brand <laughs> name. Yeah, You're both going to do it. So
1: I will share as with all good changes that have uh, not all good changes. Like many change, it uh, was thrust upon me. I had a week's notice from being CEO to consultant. I was smart enough at five o'clock on that Friday to go onto LinkedIn and change my title from CEO to consultant. Why waste time? And our daughter was graduating high school, our oldest, and was going off to college in the fall. I realized that I had had, I think, four employers since the age of 22. I was over Being one employee, one company. And I remember that summer sitting in someone's conference room, a peer group member, actually, former peer group members, conference room, and writing on a piece of paper, I will not take a W-2 job until, you know, September 1st of 2020. I wanted to give myself a year from after college drop-off to figure out what I was going to do next. The most important thing for me at that time was variety. I had in one place, eighteen years. I've been another place seven years. Another place three years. In this day and age, that's unheard of in terms of lack of variety. And so, I just wanted variety. And I had some, you know, people that wanted to hire me full time. And I'm like, fantastic. I'll give you some of my time, but I'm not going to give you all of my time because I really wanted to have variety. I didn't know what that was going to look like. Then it just sort of unfolded from there. I'd had an opportunity that came from my old boss. Uh, and I'm still working with that client four years later, and it's fabulous. I've allowed, been able to then join into the peer group and kind of build out from there. And all the work that I do is about helping grow people, or actually helping grow companies through the growth of their people. Like that.
0: So you realize... I mean, you, you made the bold move and said, look, I'm, I'm going to go do this, right? Yes. My
1: husband was freaking out, but I'm like, oh, I it's, got this.
0: Well, it's sending kids off the I had no idea what, around. well,
1: 529 plans. We like those. Yeah. And I had, I literally had no idea what I was going to do, but I was totally confident that I would figure it out. And it was very strange. But
0: then you validated it, proved that, uh, yeah, I could have a variety portfolio kind of life here. I don't have to go just sign up for one thing and show up at the same place every day.
1: Yeah. And you don't know, I mean, the previous three, year, three years prior to that, I had been let go with a total Cadillac of a severance plan, and I was panicked at what I was going to do next. That next chapter of mine helped me realize, oh, I know a lot, actually. I actually have a lot to contribute, but you don't know that when you've been in the same place for 18 years. All you know is what you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, coming into the realization that I actually know a lot, and I can really give back in a way that really resonates with my heart.
0: So part of this is a focusing and narrowing in into like what it is that you do that mm-hmm. brings more meaning and impact both to yourself and for the people that you're serving. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and it's been a four year journey figuring that out.
0: There you go. Cause you don't just I get it you, right. I glad, I glad you that added that in. <laughs> I don't feel so bad now taking so long on mine. <laughs> now, Brad, he's on the yeah. fast program. He just turned oh. it around
2: in a couple of days. So it's yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not true at all. Not true at all. My journey is interesting the way I, I got here. Um, I spent 28 years in the medical device space, and it's fairly methodical increase of experiences and responsibilities. And it, I'm very fortunate to move into the CEO role. And about four years into my tenure as CEO, our I worked with a private equity firm to spin our division out as a wholly owned subsidiary, and was CEO there for 10 years. So. When you're CEO of a private equity-owned entity for 10 years, that's a lot more than 50 hours a week for a long time. I can't remember the artist's name. You guys will know what, what doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. Uh, COVID did that for me. In the medical device space, I was in, uh, co- we lost 65% of our revenue in May of 2020. And when you lose 65% of your revenue, it changes the way you operate and it really put a massive strain on our business. And I was really fortunate that I had the supporters great investment team and we we got through it, but it really opened my eyes to the fact that there was something bigger and different that I wanted to do outside of the impact I could have. I was in healthcare, I was in medical device, clearly we're working on trying to help people get better physically. But I, I wanted to do more. And very much like Susan, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do the day I resigned. I was lucky I worked with the owners and we recruited my replacement. And he started on March 7th, 2022. And I woke up March 8th, 2022, and I didn't have a job. But a free man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize how free. But, um, too, too free. free. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it really, to me was the underlying faith and courage to step into the unknown. It took me a year plus before I really started getting clarity. It's interesting, Susan, you, you picked that, that time frame. I didn't pick that time frame, but it turned out to be about the same, where I explored a lot of different things. I explored going back and being uh, involved directly with an organization, going back to the corporate world, working with private equity firms on investments, and, and what bubbled up with me through a lot of introspection and work with coaches like yourself was the the opportunity to take a lot of the mistakes and successes and opportunities I had pursued and help others get through that as well. And my, my experience in peer groups bubbled to the top as something that I really enjoyed as a member and thought I potentially had the opportunity to give back in a way that was – very fulfilling for me. And so I was super fortunate. I reached out to Mark and Susan and I said, Hey, I think I want to do this. What do you guys think? And I think within five days,
1: I think it might've been five seconds. (laughs) We we were hard mode sell. Yeah.
2: But within five days, we had worked out the opportunity for, for me to do that. And so I was really lucky there. And then, then I also realized as as I found that I thought it would go away, but I don't think it's ever going to go away that I realized there's something I don't know and something else I can learn. And what I learned is I don't know how to teach adults. I identified that and went back and got an executive coaching certification because I felt like it was really important to be able to shift from 28 years, you're paid to solve problems. And now you're shifting to help people figure out how to solve their own problems, not solve them for them. It's teach them to fish rather than giving them a fish. And so I did that. So I have an executive coaching practice in addition to my peer group work now, and it's a super rewarding career. I also now know what it feels like to be a founder and solopreneur and- <laughs> And all that fun quick stuff. QuickBooks <laughs> and all that. So I've, I've gone down that path too, but it's been super
0: rewarding. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing that because I also think it gives a flavor for um, REF and the organization. I mean, you're the people, you're the partners, you're the guys that are running the forums and you've got the great corporate experience and then all that, but now you've also made this shift to say it's time for us to show up in the world a little bit differently and help facilitate these other folks. So really appreciate you guys sharing that. Well, we need to put a bow on this. And so I got uh, one question for the both of you and that is what's the big idea? So someone, uh, was listening to this in their car and again in the car, walking in the office. What would you like them to remember and maybe share with the first person they run into? What's the
2: big idea? I would say, Jeff, the, the big idea is that the leader has the opportunity to dramatically accelerate their personal development and their business performance by investigating what a peer group could do for them. There are a lot of advantages that come out of a peer group and we're just huge peer group advocates because of what it can bring to the table that I think anybody who's been in it would say, there's not another option in the professional world that I'm aware of that even comes close to doing that. You owe it to yourself to have a cup of coffee with somebody who's in a peer group or who's running a peer group and test all your theories, test all your questions, test all your skepticism, you owe it to yourself to do that. Awesome. Susan, the closer. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I would say, and Brad knows this, I'm a big energy person and I know a lot of leaders are in roles that they have been doing for a while and there are aspects of their roles that they love and there are aspects of their roles they probably don't like. And sometimes they even hate and they aren't, aware of how they could make that go away. And so I think being in a peer group allows you to telescope out a bit when you're in it to look at some things objectively, get some clarity on the things that you really love and you're really good at in your business, and to get the same clarity on the things that you're probably not as good at in your business and someone else should be doing, but you don't know how to do that. I think we can also help leaders become happier and probably drive more impact in their business in a way that they don't necessarily know how to do on their own.
0: Mm, awesome. Well said. Well, I appreciate the two of you coming in. I appreciate all the work you do. I appreciate getting to call you friends because you are friends of mine. Keep up the good work because we're trying to do something different here in San Diego. There's no reason why San Diego can't be the best place to do business, best place to live and play. And I think business is the, the could be the cornerstone of all that and the work you guys are doing are making that happen. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. So that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, comment, and most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. Again, special thanks to our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, and Cause San Diego. We're all using the influence of business to possibly impact our very own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Lanton from Jailbreak Leadership saying, until next time, go do what you do. Go do what you do best, for we're all counting
2: on you.